in Peter's first letter, he writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And after looking this spring at everything that Jesus did in the 40 days from his resurrection to his ascension into heaven, and then even on to sending the Holy Spirit with power on Pentecost, you should know a lot of reasons for the hope that you have. Hope wins because Jesus loves doubters, like doubting Thomas and even the doubters today who doubt that Jesus is risen from the dead and is alive and with us right now. Jesus loves you. So have hope. And hope wins because Jesus meets us on the road again, just like he did that day with Cleopas on the way to Emmaus, revealing himself in the breaking of the bread like he does every time we share in communion. And hope wins because Jesus is doing miracles even today like he did on the shore of Galilee. Remember the miraculous catch of fish and calling those unlikely people to follow him. Hope wins because Jesus is giving fresh starts again when we let him down like Peter did when he denied him. Hope wins because Jesus is still in heaven making a place for us and he will come again and take us to be with us, to be with him. And that's a reason for hope. And hope wins because the Holy Spirit is still coming with power and giving us the strength to get up and do what needs to be done. Hope wins. There are lots of reasons to have hope because of what Jesus has done for us. But I want to give you just one more here today. One more before we switch gears and go into our summer. Hope wins because God's plan is working again. Actually, it never stopped working. All that stuff that Jesus does for you and for me has been a part of God's plan from the beginning. A plan to love you and bless you and save you. Because God's very nature is love. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Not love is God, but the very nature of God is love. Have you heard of the word Trinity? Trinity? It's the most important word in the Bible that's not in the Bible. What I mean is that you will never find the word Trinity T-R-I-N-I-T-Y in the Bible. It is not in there. But what that word describes is because Trinity means one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. And today in the church calendar, it's Trinity Sunday. It's the Sunday after Pentecost. And I think that the church has created Trinity Sunday so that we don't get confused about who God is. See, if you look at the Bible or the church year or even just history, we might think that there is more than one God or that God is just kind of shapeshifts. 
There's God the Father of the Old Testament sending the, the prophets and doing all that Ten Commandments stuff. And then along comes Christmas and suddenly there's Jesus who walks among us teaching and healing, doing miracles until he dies on a cross, is raised from the dead and ascends into heaven. And then along comes the Holy Spirit with power. They're on Pentecost. And does that mean that we have three different gods? No, of course not. The Bible insists that there is just one God. That belief is the foundation of Judaism and Christianity and Islam. Unlike the Greek and Roman and all those pagan religions that maybe you learned about in school, the Bible insists there is but one eternal God, creator of the universe and Lord of all things. And that is such an important part of being a believer that the Jews recite a Bible verse about that at least twice a day. And their children are taught to say it as a bedtime prayer. It's called the Shema. And it's from the introduction to what Jesus says is the most important commandment of all. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, Shema Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. There it is, one God. But then does that mean that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are just the same thing that just takes on different shapes depending on when you see them? Like in the Old Testament, you get the Father and then he, he changes into uh, to Jesus and then he switches over and comes as the Holy Spirit. Is that what we're talking about? Well, it's not that either. Last week we saw how the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning with creation. In the second verse in the Bible, it mentions the Spirit. And Jesus was there in the beginning too. The Gospel of John starts this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. How can this be? It blows the mind. God is three different persons, but one God. And God is one God, but also three different persons. That's the Trinity, three in one, and it makes no sense. Have you ever thought about if Jesus is God, why does Jesus pray to God? So God is three, but just one, and God is one, but also three persons. Doesn't make sense. It's mind-blowing. But why should the creator of the universe be any simpler than the creation? Why should the nature of God be so small that our little minds can figure it all out? For generations, Sunday school teachers have been trying to explain the Trinity to children using simple nature illustrations that they can understand. They have tried, and I can say they've probably failed. They use an example like an egg with a shell and an egg white and an egg yolk. It's one egg, but three different parts. Or they'll, they'll cut open an apple and they'll talk about having the peel and, and the flesh and the seeds. 
sort of three in one. I like to use a, an illustration of glasses of colored water with one blue and one yellow. And then you pour them into a third glass, and what color is the water? Somebody knows their science. Yeah, green. Green. So is that then green water? Or is it blue and yellow water? It's all three. Still, none of these are an exact explanation of the triune God. And so John Ward, our communications director here at Res, decided to put the power of AI to work to solve the problem <laughs> of explaining the unexplainable trinity. And he asked ChatGPT to give an answer. But all it gave was the same one that I had heard in Sunday school 50 years ago. The trinity is like water that can exist in three different forms, ice, liquid, and vapor. Okay, but the same water can't exist in the same way at the same time. It's one or the other at any given moment. And yet, all three persons of the Trinity are present eternally at the same time. Even ChatGPT, that famous artificial intelligence can't give us a simple explanation of the Trinity. But like I said, why should God be simple to understand? Nature isn't simple to understand. The creation isn't easy to understand. So why should the creator be easier to understand than the creation? Next Sunday, I'll be sitting by the ocean watching the waves roll in. You ever watched uh, something floating out on the water, a stick or a little piece of plastic or something, or even a boat, as it's riding the waves, and you wonder, why doesn't it move toward you at the same speed as the waves? You ever thought about that? I mean, the waves move quickly and break on the shore. So why doesn't the stick move like that? Well, it's because... The particles of water aren't actually moving like the wave. The energy is moving, but the little particles, the stuff in the water, is basically going up and down. And that's why the stick goes up and down and doesn't move in. It would be pretty bad if the whole ocean just came, came at us uh, with those waves. But that's what waves are like. And there are lots of waves in the world, not just water. Light is a wave. Radio's a wave, microwaves are waves. They're all waves, just like the ocean. But then, well, they're not exactly waves either. Because light is also a particle. It's a little glob of energy that travels at light speed. So it, it is actually something moving. They're called photons, and they can be individually measured. One photon equals one quantum of energy. And so light is both a wave and a particle at the same time, and it doesn't make sense because it's supposed to be one or the other. And speaking of quanta, have you ever heard about quantum physics? This is weird stuff that really doesn't make sense. <laughs> like quantum entanglement. <clears throat> Even if you can understand these equations, I don't think you can really 
grasp your mind, wrap your mind around quantum entanglement because what quantum entanglement is is that you can entangle two subatomic particles that are linked together in a way that whatever happens to one instantly happens to the other. It affects the other no matter where it is in the universe. It seems to break the law that nothing travels faster than the speed of light. Let's pretend that, that the two halves of this Bible are two entangled particles. And we break the Bible down the middle, so we have two halves, our two particles. And we send this half to Miami. Here's what happens in quantum physics. Here in Minnesota, I open my half like this. And instantly, at the same time in Miami, the other half opens like that. Literally happens. It's so crazy, though, that one of the smartest people that ever lived, Albert Einstein, spent a lifetime trying to prove that quantum entanglement doesn't exist. He called it spooky action at a distance. <laughs> and he said it didn't make sense, but he was never able to prove it wrong. And the reason he couldn't is because it actually exists. In fact, last year's Nobel Prize winners in physics were three scientists that created experiments that actually proved quantum entanglement. It doesn't make sense, but it exists. God, the Trinity, also doesn't make a lot of sense. But if even the tiniest particle of creation blows our minds, why shouldn't God? Why do we think God should be simpler than what God made? No wonder the Trinity is so hard to understand. And yet, there is a simple truth wrapped up in all this complexity of the triune God. And it's there that we find our last reason to hope. Forget all the stuff about quantum entanglement, about eggs and apples and glasses of water. Forget about the waves. Forget even trying to figure out the Trinity. Just know this. The Trinity makes possible for self-giving love, the deepest, most profound kind of love, to be eternal. You see, God didn't sit around all eternity waiting for someone to love. Self-giving love was already there between the three persons of the Trinity. Jesus talks about the love that God has for him at the Last Supper where we hear in, in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. The very nature of God is love. Love between Father and Son and Holy Spirit, an eternal love. And out of that eternal love, creation was born and God's plan set in motion. A plan to love you and save you by giving Jesus Christ, by giving himself. The most famous verse in all the Bible spells out this plan of God. <clears throat> verse 16 of chapter 3 of John, 
And I'll also read 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So there's the plan. To love and save you through the self-giving of the one God in three persons, the Holy Trinity. See, with God, it's all about love. And the love of God never fails and never ends. So hope wins. It doesn't matter if you can't figure out how there can be three and one and one and three. Not even artificial intelligence can do that. You may have heard that that chat GPT and those artificial intelligence things were going to destroy test-taking in school and paper writing because they could do it all for the students. And I'm sure some have already tried. But I have to say that the chat GPT um, is only good for that if you just want to barely pass. Because when I read what John found about the definition of the Trinity that chat GPT came up with, I would have given it maybe a B in an intro to religion class in college and uh, a C minus in a seminary class. It's not that smart yet. And And the grade would have even been worse except for the very last sentence. And this is what the AI wrote. The Trinity is seen as a divine mystery that is beyond human comprehension but it is an essential belief in Christianity. Yep, got that right. The Trinity is a mystery more profound and unexplainable than quantum physics to a kindergartner. And yet, and yet we can understand what it is at the heart, because at the heart of the Trinity, at the heart of God, is love. Love within God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and love for you and me. Not even all the forces of hell and death or our own sins and doubts and failures can stop God's plan to love us and save us through Jesus Christ. God's plan never fails and so hope wins again and again and again. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let us pray. God, there are many reasons to have hope. You've shown us that in these past few months. from your resurrection to miracles to fresh starts the Holy Spirit the Lord of all these perhaps the greatest reason to have hope is because of your love a love that is eternal that has never failed and has come up with a plan to bring us to you 
to save us and give us abundant life. And so we have hope. We have hope no matter the storms of life, no matter the weather outside or the turmoil within. We have hope in you. And hope wins.